0: Jesus speaks to the scribes and Pharisees right from the prophet Isaiah today, saying, These people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Scripture is for us today, especially given the immense, seemingly systematic sin that's been exposed in the hierarchy of the church. I'm referring to kind of the horrible atrocities of the Pennsylvania abuse crisis and a terrible corruption of at least one cardinal with the, now the accusations of many others being kind of flung about in every direction. So I want to preach about that today. I think with all of this, what are we to do? What's the appropriate response when we find such a kind of terrific evil planted in the institution that's founded by Christ to f- to battle against this exact evil? How do we respond when we look upon kind of these wicked men who go about in the light as though they're going to teach us the ways of holiness and then you know, go, about, go about in the darkness with their awful deeds? So where, where, where can we go from here? I don't think we can go anywhere unless we first acknowledge where we're at. So I think we need to dig into it a little bit. Uh, Many of the people I've spoken to, especially those who have read the Grand Jury Report, uh, are furious, disgusted with the whole thing, kind of deeply disappointed and ashamed of the church for failing to address this when it needed to be addressed. And not only that, but hiding it, actively hiding it for so long, and refusing people the justice that they deserve finally, I think a lot of people are afraid that this is going to destroy the church or at least make our voice irrelevant in the world. If those are your feelings, then I am right there with you. Now, I feel all of these things, but also, most of all, I'm just angry. I feel obliged as a priest to read the Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report, but I do it 10 minutes at a time because otherwise, I'm going to end up throwing a chair through a window. I think in everything, though, we take it to God. The God who knows all the details of these things. Even things that have not yet come to light. Or that never will. He knows all of this darkness, yet he chose to redeem the world. I think we learn from God how to walk this road. Because if we don't... We'll either abandon the church as a ruin, overrun by corruption and deceit, or we're just going to suppress our feelings and pretend that this is all okay and that nothing happened, Uh, and then 10 years down the road, it's going to manifest in bitterness and resentment. So rather, we take it to God. In the spirit of the psalmist, one of my favorite psalms, we say, hear me, O God, as I complain to you. So first we look to the scriptures, to the word of God, to learn what anger means and where it belongs. Because there, there in the scriptures we see God's own anger. You know, in the, throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see it in today's gospel. And I think we're often confused by God's anger because, I mean, we just find it kind of unreasonable and incomprehensible because it's so difficult for us to reconcile it with his love. Yet God, how can an angry God be a loving God? Yet I think it's in times like these that we realize just how necessary and good anger is. In the book of Jeremiah, God, God sees the people of Israel oppressing their own poor, the widows, the orphans, taking money from those most vulnerable and using it to adorn the temple in their priestly garb. And he's had enough. And he tells them through Jeremiah, See now, says the Lord God, My anger and my wrath will pour out upon this place. It will burn without being quenched. And that's a fitting response. Because what sort of father sees his children oppressed, sees them abused and abandoned, and and, and can remain indifferent to that? Certainly not our God in, in heaven. It's not how he operates. When he sees these great injustices, his anger burns like the sun. Father Nathaniel Hines, an old friend of mine, tells us, it's, God is angry with evil precisely because he loves us. It's in his pure love, God cannot tolerate evil. So God's anger in the face of evil is, is evidence of his, the authenticity of his love for us. And so also for us. When we find ourselves furious in the face of this great travesty and end of the cover-up that allowed it to stay in the dark for so long, we look to God as our guide for this righteous anger. Because he gave us this passion to energize us to stir us to action in defense of the innocent. Our anger can, if directed appropriately, drive us to root out corruption. It can give us an alertness that will never allow anything like this to happen again. In reading the report, I was inspired by one of the fathers who, you know, after his son was abused, was relentless in his pursuit of justice. He single-handedly kept the perpetrator from... being given another public assignment by going to the chancery periodically and just yelling at everyone. He just went ballistic. Uh, he, He was complaining bitterly for decades over and over and over again until that priest finally retired in 2002 with full benefits. For those of us here far from the East Coast, what should our reaction be? How do we fight this terrible corruption? Should we just abandon the church? No. I assure you that the church needs faithful Christians now more than ever. And we aren't Catholic because of the excellence of our institution, nor of the holiness of our hierarchy. Thank the Lord for that. We're Catholics because Jesus Christ founded the Catholic Church upon the cross. With the 12 apostles as his witnesses, and though those walls are being battered, that the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Our faith is in Jesus, in his infinite love, and in his resurrection, and his promise of eternal life. And we can be sure of this. This promise assures us that the church will never be destroyed. I think in times past, when the church faced corruption, you know, as bad or worse than this, God answered by raising up great saints, To reform and rebuild the church. I think in the the 5th and 6th century when the church was suffering from heresy and corruption and laxity. The Irish monks flooded Western Europe. To restore order and rigor to the practice of the faith. I think in the 13th century when the church had suffered from centuries of corruption. Corruption that reached all the way to the Pope. In a whole century of what we call the Saculum Obscurum. The Dark Ages of the Papacy. God's answer came in the 12th century when St. Francis and St. Clair, St. Dominic, and St. Thomas Aquinas brought about a renewal so bright and powerful that it transformed the church forever. And in the 16th century, when the corruption in the church was so intense that Martin Luther felt justified in breaking communion with Rome, a man named Ignatius founded an order whose missionary zeal not only led the church in its reform, but also in bringing the gospel to the edges of the earth. And meanwhile, at that same time, two Spanish mystics, St. John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila, were at work reforming the Carmelite order, which had grown lax, and in the meantime, they, they reformed the entire contemplative life of the church and taught us how to pray in a totally new way. I think we see from the great model of the saints that the first answer when faced with corruption, the most important place to focus our energy, all the energy of that righteous anger, is in examining ourselves. There's a place to let our voice be heard. There's a time for that, and that time might be now. But when that time passes, we focus our energy on renewal. St. Paul tells us, where, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So in times of great scandal, God is just waiting to pour his grace upon anyone who will receive it. How does God answer the unfathomable evil of Nazi Germany and Soviet Russia? With Edith Stein, with Maximilian Kolbe, and most of all, with John Paul II. So who will rise from this generation? Who will reform our church? Who will bring Who will give their whole life in renewal of Christ's body? Certainly we need holy priests and consecrated women. But it doesn't need to come from us. What we need in the church is true holiness. And we're all called to a life of heroic holiness. So take your anger to God your Father. Make your complaint to him. Give it all over. But then listen very carefully in the silence that follows. For he surely has a mission for you. And it's a mission that will first renew your own faith in him and in his church. But God willing, it will also renew the whole church. Amen.